It's Innovation Week in Melbourne, so today we thought we'd celebrate the most exciting new technology to come to Melbourne in 1955. CIRAC was Australia's first computer, and it was also just the fourth computer in the world. These days, it's the world's oldest intact electronic computer. For Innovation Week, the story of CIRAC's being retold in a session on early computing at Melbourne, the roots of digital innovation, by Dr Peter Thorne, Chair of the Heritage Committee at the Piercy Foundation. Peter led the University of Melbourne's CIRAC history research team, which advocated for the public display of the seven-tonne computer, and it's now part of Museum Victoria's Science Works Think Ahead display. Welcome to RN, Peter. Good morning and welcome. It's great to have you. Could you describe CIRAC for us? Because it certainly wasn't the world's first laptop, was it, Peter? No, it uh, it, it wasn't, Julian. Uh, it was about as big as a small shipping container, about seven metres long and uh, uh, probably three or four metres deep and a couple of metres high. It uh, looked a bit like Stonehenge because it was grey <laughs> um, cabinets, uh, very impressive uh, machine and um, really, uh, really quite an engineering feat. It was the largest electronic machine built in Australia, of course, and mm. one of the largest in the world um, at that time because it had vacuum tubes in it. They're those valves that used to glow in the back of early radio and television sets, mm. 2,000 of them, which used enough power to sort of power a street full of houses. And, um, it, and all of that gave you a power, a computing power of about uh, in modern terms, 0. 0.001 megahertz. That's about a thousand operations a second, rather than a thousand million operations a second that you might get even out of a small laptop these days. Yeah, right. So uh, you know, it was it was early days though. It, and that that really what made it a supercomputer for the time. Could you give us a sense of what the compute computational power of CIRAC made possible? Well, um, before we had electronic computers, we had um, we had computers. They were people and uh, frequently women who had, if they were lucky, a desk calculator where they went, put in a number, another number, wound a handle and got an answer. Or if they were really lucky, they had an electric motor driving the, uh, the calculator. Mm. So they were computers. They could probably do... I suppose if they're expert, about one step, one operation per second. Now, CIRAC could do a 1,000 per second, which was a pretty great advance because um, there was one CSRO scientist who'd spent three months, that's about a 1,000 working hours, I guess, um, doing a calculation and realised that very near the beginning he made a mistake. So all of his three months had gone for nothing. The moment he saw this new machine, he wanted, he was in the queue because this could do it in one hour what had taken him three months, and he could run it again the next hour and check that it had got it right. So this really was a huge step forward at the time, and people queued up to use it. And Peter, it's amazing to think that just the fourth computer, electronic computer in the world was made in Australia. How did that come about? Well, um, a remarkable fellow by the name of Trevor Piercy, uh, and the Piercy Foundation is named in his honour, came to Australia in his 20s, just after the Second World War. Uh, he arrived at the very end of 55. 
And uh, he was what in those days you would call a boffin, I guess. These days you call them a nerd. Uh, tall glasses and very quite pedantic, um, but very, very clever. And he persuaded uh, Radio Physics CSIR, which was CSIRO these days in Sydney, that they should build an electronic computer. This is about 1947. Now, no such thing had been a fully programmable computer worked anywhere in the world, but he persuaded them. And they started, and they had a few problems because there were coal strikes in New South Wales, which had power limitations, all kinds of things. But by 1949, they ran their first program. And in the meantime, there have been a couple of computers in England and one in America, uh, which had beaten them, I guess, to the, in the race, if, if there was a race. Uh, and so this became about the fourth computer in the world. Uh, I should say, by the way, that the American uh, computer, BINAC, which preceded SIRAC, turned out to be um, a bit of a flop. In fact, embarrassedly closed off. So one could cheekily say that Australia built the a successful automatic computer before the USA. There we go. So maybe the third decent computer in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, uh, and so um, uh, so that was uh, 1949. It was launched by 1950-51. It was playing music, the first computer music in the world. Yeah, that's uh, that's not, amazing. And I'll not, just stop you there, Peter, because we've actually got a little bit of that audio. Let's have a, a listen to uh, Cyrac playing. This is Colonel Bogey. felt for a second like I was playing like an early um, 80s Nintendo game there, but that's incredible to think that that's the sound that w would have been generated by Cyrac back in the 1950s. Uh, yes. uh, now, Peter, I suppose we should be clear, that's not actually a recording of Cyrac playing that sound. Is it, there aren't any original recordings, is that right? No, there were no original recordings. Um, I, I can tell you I heard it playing and that's a pretty good rendition. It does sound a bit like playing a gum leaf or comb and paper, but uh, uh, we had a project, um, a remarkable project uh, here in Melbourne uh, back about 20 years ago where we managed to reconstruct, very carefully reconstruct the original sound. It's a technical achievement, which mm. I won't go through here, uh, and that is as, uh, as best one could hear the original uh, music played by Cyrac. But, of course, it did a lot of other things as well. Uh, when it came to Melbourne, I mean, it had a 15-year life, which was extraordinary, um, uh, you know, working life. Um, when it came to Melbourne in 1955 and was set up again by 56, uh, it uh, did all kinds of things. It, 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 did, uh, it helped plan the state's electricity network mm. being for the SEC, which is something we can think about these days when yeah. we're having to think about that for uh, the future of, um, uh, you know, our new energy systems. And um, it uh, uh, was used for some of the world's first numerical weather forecasts uh, and uh, climate forecasts and so on, once again relevant today, yeah. and all kinds of other things for some banking calculations and scientific calculations and so on. So it really was uh, a workhorse and uh, it, it uh, was finally retired in 1964 because by then it was well superseded. 
but it had been a faithful workhorse all that time. And uh, by then, of course, it was by far the oldest working computer in the uh, in, in the world. Mm. Well, Peter, we'll come back to that retirement in a second. But you mentioned that you actually heard Syrac playing the music. Could you tell us about your personal connection with the uh, the Seven Ton Beast? Well, I was probably a bit of a nerd in those days, and I was an undergraduate at the University of Melbourne, and um, they needed somebody to look after the computer at the weekend. Uh, I was, I suppose, called a service engineer, but You're I was a Cyrac babysitter. <laughs> Yes, I was really more of a babysitter. So I lived across the road and I used to go and turn it on and test it. And if it worked, um, if it had been turned off, uh, you know, uh, say on a Friday night or something. And um, and, and uh, so I was there uh, quite early on from the late 50s and stayed uh, in that launched me into computing. And years later, late 90s, I was... Um, head of Department of Computer Science, and I resolved that this machine that had launched me and a lot of other people into computing um, shouldn't just be sitting in a museum store, but we should be proud of this in Australia, that we have been pioneers and get it out and tell people about it. Yeah, absolutely, and fantastic that you were successful in that. And as I said, it's now on display as part of the Museum's Victoria display. You mentioned, Peter, the retirement of Syrac, you were you were also there when Syrac was officially uh, put into retirement. Could you tell us about that moment? Yes, it was it was a sad moment. As somebody else who was there said, it felt as if something had died by putting down a you know a faithful pet. It was also the end of an era. I mean, this was one of the few first-generation valve or vacuum tube computers because by the time Cyrac was turned off, transistors were here and uh, we're in a new generation of computers. So this was the end of the first generation and um, it was quite a uh, – we have a photograph of it actually happening with the uh, head of the department turning off the big switch and, um, yes, we knew that mm. it would never be turned on again. Now, Museums Victoria these days calls Cyrac the world's oldest intact first-generation electronic yeah. computer. The claim is intact. D- does it still work, Peter? No, no, it doesn't. And uh, we've uh, w- we really would have to uh, change so much or update so much mm. to make it work, and um, that it would no longer be original. In in the UK, they build replicas uh, of some of their early computers, which is a great thing, and they operate, but they're not original. Uh, Here we have an original computer. If we needed to modify it for occupational health and safety reasons and other reasons, we'd have to change it drastically to really make it work. At the end of that time, it would no longer be original. And, of course, it took two faithful attendants, two excellent engineers to keep it going, and um, uh, in the future, that would just not happen yes. anymore, yeah. and we'd end up with a not original, non-working computer. Well, so, well uh, yeah. Well, look, it's great that it's been restored, and great that we can tell the story again. Peter Thorne, thank you so much for joining us on RN today. You're very welcome.
That's Dr Peter Thorne, Chair of the Heritage Committee at the Piercy Foundation. And as we heard, Peter led the University of Melbourne's CIRAC history research team. CIRAC's now part of uh, the Museum Victoria Science Work Think Ahead display. Here's another little bit of burst of CIRAC's reconstructed music to take us up to the news. Uh, if you can't see CIRAC in person at Museums Victoria, you could check out the ABC Science YouTube channel, which has a story about CIRAC made for a 1999 episode of Quantum, which is well worth watching in a retro spirit as well. Coming up to nine o'clock news on RN. Next hour, our guest on the year that made me is legendary investigative journalist, Chris Masters.